You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. That's right, folks. We're here to talk all about Raising Arizona, the 1987 classic by the Coen brothers. God, 1987. That really almost makes you feel old. It's just, it just doesn't feel like it's been that long since this movie came out. And it's one of those movies where you start watching it and you're drawn into a whole new world. It almost feels like it could almost be in some ways a Bugs Bunny cartoon and, you know, and such like a true Looney Tunes. And speaking of my Looney Tune, let's welcome my co-host for this week, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. What's up, Doc? Do you, do you, do you need a baby? Do you need to get a baby? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I could almost see it. I could almost see it. Do, you, do, you, do we need to get a baby? Oh, geez. They, they got more than they can handle. Oh, yes, they do. They do. Ah, those palookas, we definitely should get their their thing. And then go, what's up, Doc? Could be really interesting to see. So definitely, it's going to be an interesting conversation. We've got some great folks lined up to talk all about it. And you know what? It's just going to be fun just to talk to you guys at home. Please, you know, just say, hey, just touch base with us. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Anything you want to write about, if talk about the movie, talk about how you guys are doing in life, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And of course, speaking of hearing from you guys, we've heard about from you guys, a couple of you at home who've been going to our fine sponsor, Tafosi. That's right, Tafosi Optics, our friends who have amazing sunglasses for only $25. And, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, you can get a really awesome pair of shades or you can even get a pair of gaming glasses, which are the blue light filtered glasses. And, you know, that means with the PlayStation 5 right around the corner, that means more gaming for you. And our friends at Tifosi are there for you with it. All you have to do is go to tifosioptics.com. And when you do, there's a place right on the top of the page where you can put a coupon code and all you have to do is put an ESO network. And you know what? You get 10% off your order right there. That's not bad, right? You know, if you're getting a $25 pair of sunglasses, that's a nice little discount. And, you know, you have some of the coolest sunglasses in the world from our friends at Tifosi Optics. Also, a big shout out to our fr- also our other friends out there at our Patreon. Thank you, thank you, folks who have been supporting the Earth Station One and, of course, the ESO Network for quite some time now we've had some ups and downs but we have new content coming out all the time i can actually even say the brand new episode of the eso network sports silly podcast which is exclusive to our patreon and available to all members at all levels is now out there so you can you know just get it and hear myself mike gordon Kevin Eldridge, Mary Ogle, and Dr. Scott Vigay talk about our favorite drinks. That's right, soft drinks, hard drinks, or just what we try to make it through the summer because the heat is definitely picking up. And something nice and frosty or cool is always nice to go by in the summer. And so 
listen to Patreon. You could hear that exclusively there. The ESO Board Silly Podcast, episode three already. So you could listen to that. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you could become a patron of the fine arts of the ESO Network. So definitely Patreon all the way. Mikey, I got something I wanted to talk to you about. I'm here. What are you, what are you like? I'm what's thinking, you know, drive-in theaters are starting to become a thing again because, you know, with movies not being able to play and everything at the movie theaters right now, we just got recently that Wonder Woman is getting pushed off till October and a few other films are being pushed off all the way into 2022 of all places. So, you know, it's pretty interesting that drive-ins are actually becoming a big thing again because you could stay socially separated from people and still watch a movie. Uh, they even announced, like, at certain drive-ins coming up, uh, the musician Garth Brooks is going to do a live concert um, to exclusive at drive-ins. And so you'll be able to go see if you're into that kind of music, Garth Brooks is, and you, you, it, I think it's going to be like something like 60 to a hundred bucks a car to go, Whoa! but you could fit as many people into the car as you want. Yeah, so, but still, but six people, that's 10 bucks to go see a concert and everything. But you have to li- probably listen to it through your audio system in your car. So well, of course, like, yeah. well, that's my question. I don't know. Like, so back in the day when I went to the, when we went as a family to the drive-in, because we did have a local drive-in um, and uh, it was for, you know, for the first few years, you know, they used the speaker uh, that you had hanging from your window. Uh, and then I think a little bit later they had made the technology switch to the radio station. So there was just a short radio station. Cause if you drove by there, you could actually listen to the movie. Oh, very much so. If you tuned to the right station. But uh, so I don't know what they do now. Like, I don't know. Do they use the radio station technology? Do they use, you know, smartphones or what? Do you know how they, they don't use speakers, I don't think. Oh, no. It's, it's, they haven't used speakers in years. Yeah. I don't know what the modern drive-ins use as far as being able to hear the movies. Um, I'm sure it's probably either through, um, a satellite system where you could listen to it like through a satellite radio type thing or an FM, you know, bandwidth. Cause when I was living in Washington state, uh, that's still 17, 18 years ago. Uh, myself and William's mom used to go to the drive-in probably weekly and to watch movies cause it was regular movie price, but you got two films most of the time at the drive-in. So you got a double feature. And so it was pretty awesome to do. And by that point, the speakers were gone. You sat in the car and you had, um, you, had the, you played over the stereo, the audio and everything. And if you had a killer sound system, you had a really good sound for the movie. So it, it ter- ter- wasn't terrible. Even our friends over at the Aurora Cinema here in Roswell, uh, where Alex Autry works, is starting to do drive-in cinemas. I think they're starting this week doing that so it's pretty cool yeah well i mean i i gotta hand it to like i know a number of uh places have done it i mean as you said um uh most theaters theater chains are not being able to operate uh due to the restrictions and so uh 
Uh, and I know that, you know, with some of the major chains, particularly specifically AMC is, is hurting uh, big time because of that. There's wonders that they're going to be able to, to come back from this as a company. Uh, so uh, I don't think movie theaters are going to die. Uh, I think even if uh, AMC goes under, I think some other company will just buy them out and uh, that will continue to watch movies in theaters eventually. But I do give them credit. I mean, locally, uh, I know that the Plaza Theater has uh, done drive-ins. Uh, they um, uh, have uh, select movies that they're showing. Um, Back to the Future, I think, was one of the first ones they did. Uh, you know, classic movies that people love. Uh, so um, they, uh, so I guess, yeah, they're just showing um, them at a at a parking lot situation, right? And yeah. the, and the cars, have. and they've got a big screen. I know that they've got a, an interesting menu that they're offering folks uh, to, you can place your order online and then they'll deliver it to your car. Um, and the, the Plaza drive-in, it says it accommodates 40 cars, uh, 24 inflatable screen. Um, doesn't say, like I said, uh, oh, people listen to the movies through the car radio, just that they would at other drive-in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, 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 I think... Um, Actually, I think, don't we still have, isn't the Starlight Theater still Starlight, open? Starlight in Atlanta is still open and it's been very popular since quarantine started. Yeah, yeah, we're, I guess, one of the few areas that still have a functional working drive-in theater. Um, and that is uh, Starlight. And uh, yeah, I'm looking and uh, yeah, the movies that they're showing are pretty interesting. But um, I certainly remember going to the drive-in, you know, uh, saw a lot of great movies at the drive-in. I think most notably, uh, we saw. I remember seeing the first Superman movie at the drive-in. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the Christopher Reeve um, first Superman movie. I do remember seeing that at the drive-in. I do remember seeing Cat from Outer Space at the drive-in. Awesome. Uh, that might have been. It may or may not have been in a double bill because usually that's the other thing about drive-ins. Usually, you went and saw two movies. That's what I said earlier. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, I don't know if that's the case of what they're, I don't think that's what they're doing, uh, now, uh, at least at the plaza. I think they're just showing one. Uh, but, um, uh, I do remember seeing, um, one of the Herbie movies. I think it was Herbie goes to Monte Carlo or Herbie goes bananas. One of the two, maybe both. Who knows? I know I saw Herbie rides again at the drive-in growing up. Yeah. It was one of the, it was one of the later ones that I saw at the drive-in. Um, right. So yeah, it's but it's pretty cool though, you know, that we were able to do that. I remember with my grandparents, they took us to go see Poseidon Adventure at, at the drive-in, and then also I remember, like I said, the Herbie, a couple of Herbie movies, and I think that I think even the original Love Bug I might have seen at the drive-in. Hmm. So, but I know I definitely saw Herbie Rides Again. I think that's the one with Ken Berry in it. Aren't they all? I know. I think most of them have, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I know he's in the Cat from Outer Space. Uh, so yeah, he's in a lot of Disney movies from that time. Yes, he is, and it's it's pretty awesome though that we had you know the ability to go to the drive-ins, and then as I got older, you know, I saw different movies. Like in college, we had a drive-in not that f- that far from the campus that we used to go to. It was great for dating and stuff and other stuff, and so. It was it was always an, a neat experience to go see movies at the drive-in, and it was 
for me, it was in a lot of ways was very retro. Oh yeah, it's definitely a, a retro experience, and you know, I, I, yeah, I don't. I think for us, it's it's full of nostalgia, and uh, I don't know. It's not. It's cool, but I don't know if it's the. Yeah, obviously, it's, I don't think it's the best way to watch movies. And I, I, to be honest, I haven't even considered really doing it, even though we've got, you know, a couple of venues that are doing it here. Because I think. Um, I think the Plaza is doing it. I know that, of course, Starlight. And then I think there's—is it Dad's Garage? Somebody else is doing it too, right? Um, Dad's Garage is doing some of it, and I think uh, Dad's Garage had talked about doing some episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway on the drive. Oh wow, wow! And everything, so it would be kind of cool. Um, but I know, like Aurora Cinema. Or over here in Roswell is doing a couple is doing it also, and they're doing Minions and Mission Impossible Fallout for their for their showing. I think so. It's pretty cool, and you know to see it. And I'm sure they're doing the big blow up screens also. And um, for those people in uh, Massachusetts, um, a, a establishment that is, uh, near and dear to my, uh, I would say heart, but it's more my stomach. I love, uh, the, uh, cuisine and the atmosphere at Kowloon. It's a, it's a sort of a tiki place, but Chinese or uh, Asian cuisine as well. Um, very great restaurant and, uh, they have a huge parking lot. So they've decided that uh, they are going to uh, transform their huge parking lot into a drive-in movie theater as well, and a car hop. So, um, so they're, they're adding a huge screen outside. They're going to deliver their great food to people who watch the movies, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they, they, they're going to screen movies, uh, like a classic movies, they said, like Ferris Bueller and Grease and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's a great restaurant anyway. Um, a great tiki bar, uh, great drinks. Uh, it's been there forever. I think it's about. I think it's turning seventy years old this year. Uh, so it's been there for a while, and so they're they're actually doing. I don't know. I don't think it's been done yet, but I know that they were they're considering as well. So it looks like it's popping up. You know, a lot of uh, this drive-in alternative is popping up in a lot of places as well. Exactly, and it's it's neat to see that these places are doing it. But, you know, to some people, drive-ins are still an everyday type thing. But, you know, for us city dwellers and stuff, where they've all but disappeared in a lot of metro areas. So it's kind of neat to see to pop up again and everything. So it's, it's, it's a nice feeling. And it's like a little ping. And, you know, it's something that I definitely would consider doing with Judy is to go see it and everything. It well, it's fun. just, it's, it's, what's really cool is that to see people like during this time, where I know things are starting to open up and uh, you know, for better or for worse, things are starting to open up and uh, you know, movie theaters, I do know that some movie theaters, local movie theaters, small theaters have been uh, opening up as well. Uh, I know that um, is it what the, the spring theater, is that what it's called? The one uh, kind of around your area? Oh, the Springs. It's a cinema and draft house type thing. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, cool theater. Yes. 
Um, I, I know that they've reopened and I think they're also considering, uh, I think they've done some drive-ins too, cause they have a huge parking lot outside their theater as well. Uh, but I think they're actually open up if not for food for movies as well. So, so, you know, we're starting to see that, but I, what I was going to say is I, I think that's really cool that when these, when these places are shut down and have these restrictions that, you know, it's really cool to see some of them kind of rise and, and, and meet that challenge and still try to find, you know, I'd say innovative, but in this way, in, in this, in, in this stance, it's more of a callback to, to use I, things that have happened before uh, to, to, you know, make a go of it and to, to have more interactive experiences uh, with people and to, to show, to, to still show movies and still show movies to people. I think that's a, that's a cool thing. Oh, of course. I think that's the cool thing about it. And, you know, take your kids if you have, or, you know, young ones, nieces and nephews and say, Hey, this is what we used to go to when we were kids. Are you kidding me? They, most of them are watching uh, movies on their devices Telephone. in the car anyway. I mean, that, I mean, that's, that, that, that kind of defeats the purpose of going to a drive-in theater. But uh, I mean, I, yeah, there's so many, I mean, people have their drive-in theaters in their cars now. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's true. Well, it, it's fun because we've actually thought about getting one of those mini projectors and putting a sheet up on our garage door and doing our own little drive-in type thing in our driveway. Sure. And everything. And then, you know, show movies that way and just have speakers and everything. I think that would be kind of fun. It's, uh, it is a different way to, to see it. And I, you know, like I said, it's cool. I, I, I must admit though, I mean, even though I have some really cool memories as a kid uh, and as a family going to see them uh, at the drive-in, it's not my preferred method of watching movies. And uh, I don't honestly think that uh, you'll find me at a drive-in uh, anytime soon, okay. but, um, but I, I certainly, acknowledge the fact that it's uh it's still a cool thing and and i'm and i'm glad to see that people are enjoying it and yeah some people are enjoying it because they never got to experience that exactly exactly it's like oh this is how our parents did it that's awesome our grandparents it's like oh geez <laughs> gotta make sure your windshield is clean exactly so and with that we'd love to hear from you guys at home earth station one at esonetwork.com what did you guys think did you guys go you know to any of the drive-ins are you going to go it would be kind of cool to hear what your experiences are with that write us let us know let's take a quick break and then we're going to be raising arizona which would be a good movie to see at a drive-in exactly hey everyone this is carrie the metal geek and i would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow metal geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at metalgeekspodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Metal Geeks. We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at esonetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. Uh...
son. You got a panty on your head. He's right fast. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hide. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. I've been taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. <laughs> you busted out of jail. We released Trashaz on our own recognizance. What Double here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a child now. Everything's changed. Yeah! Where's Junior? <laughs> Who the hell are you? Oh, man. We're absolutely going to get him back. This ain't no question about that. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! Hey, you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Raising Arizona. A comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One, and now it's time to go back to the twisted world of the Cohen Brothers, and it's time to look at Raising Arizona. Yeah, we're going to go back to 1987, and this is, uh, I believe, the second film of the Cohen Brothers, I believe, uh, and uh, no rhyme or reason, this is not an anniversary show or anything like that, it's just one that we picked for our summer movie season, uh, Since uh, and since we're talking movies, uh, we couldn't do so, we wouldn't want to do so without Ashley with us. Ashley? Hello, thank you for having me back. I have really... Ashley in a remote location. <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> we're having some technical issues out here in the boonies, otherwise known as Kansas, so... <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, so. somewhere in between here in Kansas, there's a little hamster running his heart out, and, you know. <laughs> and it, it just needs a break. So um, we're we're coming with some good old fashioned uh, phone technology tonight. Well, we are glad to have you nonetheless. Uh, unfortunately, Alex can't be joined with us, but we do have with us a, a great substitute. We have with us a the mayor of Chicken Town herself. Felicity is back with us. Hi guys, great to be back. Howdy. So um, I, I want to let just start right away talking about this. I feel it's a wonderful movie, um, and uh, and but I will admit I did. I don't think I saw this right away. I didn't see this in the theater. Um, I think I discovered the Coens uh, through video because uh, that was a thing at the time uh, through videotape. With uh, I think I'd seen Blood Simple first and then this movie, but. 
once I saw this movie, I, I watched it over and over and over again. So uh, it was a great experience for me. Um, what about you, Ashley? What, uh, what was your experience seeing this movie? So I watched it for the first time in preparation for this podcast. Um, I had wow. heard it, okay. it recommended by some other people before, like, oh, that's a really funny movie. I think my husband had mentioned that he thought it was funny, but I had never seen it before. So I was excited to watch it for the very first time for this podcast. Wow. Okay. But you were familiar with the Coens, right? Yes. Actually, fairly recently introduced to them. I watched uh, The Big Lebowski for one of my blog series. And then I also watched their adaptation. Finally. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> um, didn't, they did the adaptation of True Grit, the modern one, True didn't Grit. they? That's right. So that's another yep, we one. We talked about that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm okay. a fairly recent um, experience with the Cohen brothers as well. I would say. Awesome, awesome, Felicity. What about you? When when did the Raising Arizona hit your radar? Um, like you, I didn't see it in the theater, and uh, I, I had not seen Blood Simple. Actually, this was my first exposure to the Cohen brothers, and was probably the following year, sometime in 1988, that I saw it on video. Um, and I had never seen anything like it. I, I do remember watching it with my high school boyfriend. I believe that I was on antibiotics at the time. <laughs> Just so I had like a slightly altered consciousness, which is probably the best way to watch this film. And I think I laughed through the whole, through the whole thing. It, it, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I could understand that. Although this movie takes it upon itself to give you a, an, another sense of consciousness, I think. So uh, nothing is actually required, but yes, probably an enhanced. Uh, Mike, what about you? Were you, were you, did you watch this straight for the first time? Oh, I won't say I was straight. I don't want to say I was sober either, but <laughs> you know, um, I didn't see it in the theaters originally. I think, you know, I was living in the dorms at college at the time when it came out. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think they pro- I probably saw it at a movie night in the dorm the first time. And, you know, they showed it in the one of the auditoriums on campus and it was awesome. And it was, so it was probably 88 that I saw this the first time. And yeah, that's that's I think what I would say as well, 88 for me as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it's it was it was hilarious. So for, right from the very first time I saw it, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, usually, um, when Alex is here, we talk about the box office a little bit. Um, uh, my understanding is is that uh, it did okay. Um, I don't think it was a huge box office success, uh, although. You know, the budget was only $6 million. Uh, it totaled $30 million, so it's not terrible for a, uh, a second outing, a sophomore outing for them, actually. Um, and actually, they went on to do more, so uh, this didn't hurt them, I don't think. And it got, it got huge reviews. I know that it was at the Cannes Film Festival um, and a lot of other film festivals as well. The, um, the, it seems like, critically, it was... Uh, it was um, over uh, it actually got uh, decent reviews although i do see one from roger ebert that was pretty negative um so boo roger boo. Ebert. <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't don't speak ill of the dead come on <laughs> yeah, yeah right i don't want to both of them are no longer with us unfortunately uh but um ashley what did you what did you think after seeing it for the first time 
So my basic one sentence review of this movie is after it finished, I thought, I'm not totally sure what I just watched, but I really enjoyed that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack from this movie. And there's a lot of quirky stuff that happens. Some of it's real. Some of it may or may not be in the main character's imagination. But it's just such a distinctive film. It's really interesting and just great performances, great humor. I liked how much it stood out. And it seemed it's one of those movies that's different than anything else I had seen before. Like, I don't have a lot to immediately compare it to. So it's nice to get films like that, that are just its own unique product. And it's definitely one of those, I think you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. But if you love it, there's definitely a lot here to love. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that unlike uh, Scott Pilgrim, that you didn't uh, just uh, hate it right away. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Scott Pilgrim grew on me, (laughs) but Raising Arizona, I, I enjoyed the first time. The uh, I do think there's a lot of uh, speaking of that I do think there's a lot of similarities in uh, in in the in those two films just because of um, I like the fact that um, you know there are comedies out there there are movies out there especially comedies that it's sort of they're the way they're directed is the they're allowing just the actors to do the main work of the comedy uh, the script and the and the characters. But I, I always love it when the direction and the editing get involved as well. So it's a whole product of uh, uh, like just everybody's involved with the comedy. So the shots, the way it's edited, the way it's put together, it's very, very much uh, thought through, uh, which it seems like this movie was because they had such a, uh, my understanding is when they made it, they they meticulously planned out everything. So there wasn't a lot of improv here. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's very clever and, uh, quite, uh, quite humorous. I think a lot of the jokes work for me that way. I know what really stood out for me as distinctive was Barry Sonnenfeld's cinematography. That yes. was, uh, and of course he went on to, to direct some films himself, but just, uh, you know, I, he, I he's done a couple remember. little things, you know? Oh, yeah. I will always remember that long tracking shot that ends on Mrs. Arizona's screaming mouth. She <laughs> discovers that her baby is gone. Oh, and because it, it's awesome because it goes right up the ladder, right through yeah. the window, and right into her. It's awesome. Yeah, I believe that was inspired by uh, Sam Raimi. Uh, I do oh. believe because the the Coens and the and the Raimis sort of share a a, a similar history. But um, yeah, the Evil Dead movies used that sort of uh, okay that camera style. Yeah, at the time I hadn't seen anything of sure. Sam Raimi's. Um, yeah, I, I just. From the from the beginning, from the fact that you know it starts with with an obviously unreliable narrator <laughs> from, the, from the beginning, <laughs> the fact that the the credit the opening credits don't kick in until you know ten or fifteen minutes into the film, um, just the the dialogue, the the weird kind of dialect that High has, and that the the, the delivery of Holly Hunter, uh, her very kind of deadpan delivery just really made an impression on me from the start. And She's... I'd never seen any of these actors in anything before. So this was my first exposure to Nicolas Cage, to Holly Hunter, and to John Goodman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I had seen Holly Hunter in the movie, what was it, Always? Before, with Richard Dreyfus. And... Is that before this? Yes. Because I think that's one of her first movies that she did. Gotcha. Yeah, um, I had seen her in, uh, well, uh, she's in Blood Simple. 
Uh, and around the same time that she did this, she did broadcast news. And I think yes. I'd seen, I, th- I know I'd seen broadcast news first. Yeah, I don't think yes. I saw that till a few years later. No, yeah. I had seen that first also. Yeah. But it's interesting because Holly Hunter almost plays the same kind of character she also played in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. In this, you know, like, I made my decision, this is what stand, you know, type thing. And, you know, and that's when she played Ed in this, she mm-hmm. totally had that covered. Uh, well, we found out that, you know, the 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 Coens have a uh, certain loyalty to certain actors. Oh God, uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is not the last time. This will be the last time I think you'll see Nicolas Cage in something. Apparently, uh, they 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 were a little bit contentious during the making of this movie. But um, uh, but yes, Holly Hunter will will reappear. John Goodman will reappear a lot. Uh, Francis McDormand will reappear. Yeah, Certainly. you'll see a lot of. A lot of uh, a lot of familiar actors in, in many of their movies. Yeah, I don't. Frances McDormand is married. I can never remember which one she's married to, and I don't know if she was at the time of this film. But yeah, certainly she was. She was one of the main roles in Blood Simple, but then kind of had a had yeah. a secondary role in this one. I almost think sometimes that the they can't do a movie without John Goodman somewhere in the movie. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's. It's pretty awesome. And he's he so young some, in this one. Yeah, I know. He has some very <laughs> memorable characters. And um, yeah, I was, I, he's, he's kind of like a gentle giant sort of character. I mean, he's definitely sinister. There's something sinister about him. But um, certainly compared to his later work in Barton Fink, which terrifies me. Um, oh, God, yeah. He comes across as, you know, everyone's, pretty you know comically inept in this movie (laughs) Um, (laughs) but certainly uh some of the some of the lines i know that you know like like uh you said mike i I watch this over and over and i never get tired of it and uh some of the lines some of the dialogue you know my family would quote over and over again especially you know these blow up into funny shapes no unless round is funny (laughs) i love that Yeah, there's a lot of uh, recurring jokes in this too. There's a, yeah. a, there's a couple. Of, it's a couple of times they say that too. Um, yeah, I you know, good call, Felicity. I didn't realize that. I guess uh, yeah. I'm looking here. Frances McDormand uh, is actually married to Joel uh, mm-hmm. Cohen, and uh, she made her film debut in Blood Simple. So uh, so yes, they they have strong ties. So that oh, explains yeah. why she's in everything they do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and it was so funny the scene where you know they were where they were out in the desert walking and he says you know my wife finds you kind of cute and it's like and it's like oh please the first time it's like don't say they're going there don't say they're going there. <laughs> and they oh, went they're going there, there. Oh, yeah. oh they're there's, going there. there's every there's nothing they don't touch in this one and there's some the shots in this and i don't know if it's the direction or if it's Barry Sonnefeld but it was just awesome. Like the scenes at the grocery store, those are, and that whole chase is just awesome. Yeah. You know, with the dogs following him and the cops and the, the, the clerk who has the, the, the huge gun and everything. It was just, that was just so perfect. Yeah. And then son, you got a panty on your head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's one of the all time great movie chases chase scenes mm-hmm. yes absolutely 
Um, I, I think the whole movie strikes me as a, uh, it's a very, it's much like a live action cartoon. Uh, the way it's yeah. shot, the way it's edited, the music and the characters. Uh, I mean, they're not quote unquote realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very much exaggerated. Uh, the accents that they sport are a mix between, oh, everything. Uh, the, you know, um, high, might be our main man might be unreliable as a narrator, but he sure is uh, got a way of speaking that uh, <laughs> seems pretty eloquent at times. That, yeah, he is. He is uh, bizarrely eloquent, and <laughs> especially in his in his uh, kind of dream sequences that he narrates. Um, oh, exactly. Very, he gets very philosophical oh, about the, God, yeah. the lone biker of the apocalypse. Oh, he was awesome too, yeah. and it's like, and he looks like he's right out of a cartoon too. Yeah. Like you said, and it's like I could almost see him out of like a Judge Dredd type, you know, coming out of Cursed Earth or something like that, with the two guns on him, and you I know, know, shooting little rabbits. Oh, and the lizard, but not. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the grenade at the bunny rabbit was a little <laughs> much, but you know, but it was pretty awesome. And an unanswered question is the fact that just before uh, Hyde dispatches him, he notices that they have the same tattoo. Yes. Yeah. It's like they <laughs> he looked at it and they looked at each other and they, they didn't touch it on that at all. Right. Yeah, I think I like... noticed that maybe for the first time this viewing. Um I if I had seen it before, I didn't it didn't I didn't recall it. But yeah. this time I was like, oh, it's the same. I wasn't mean? sure if, if that was supposed to represent that he was that he was never real, that he was a creature of High's imagination or an aspect of himself. Well, but I, I don't mean, know. So- I mean, we 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 do see him talk talking to Nathan Arizona, so he appears to be real. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing can take be taken like you know uh, on on many levels. I think, mm-hmm. uh, or just enjoyed for what it is. Um, uh sticking with the the main man high and the other characters as well uh ashley what did you what did you think of uh our our main couple i feel like nicholas cage is one of those actors where you just have to let go and let him be crazy and kind of do his thing so i feel like he was a good fit for a coen brothers movie he can just be quirky to his heart's content um I did kind of want to circle back around real quick to the comparisons between this movie and Scott Pilgrim. And these are two movies I never would have thought to compare if we did not discuss them right in a row on ESO. But I think it is kind of fascinating when you have these two protagonists who aren't necessarily the stereotypical hero type. You know, some might even say, you know, these both these two main characters are a little bit of a losers, but we follow them through the film and kind of learn to sympathize with them. And it's just fascinating how surreal this movie is, but like Scott Pilgrim, it just kind of goes with it. When you have something this crazy, the directors kind of just have to commit and they do. And I love how it just keeps piling on top of each other. And at first I think Ed brings a little more realism, but in the end she they just both get involved in the crazy plot. I mean, like kidnapping a baby and then going across the desert and all kinds of crazy things like that. So, yeah, I think that the actors do a good job making the characters seem as believable and fun as they can with such a over-the-top story as this. 
I, I do on that note too. I, I have seen where Edgar Wright, uh, the director of Scott Pilgrim, has said that uh, *Raising Arizona* is one of his favorite films. Of that all does time. not surprise me. I can so. see where Edgar Wright may have drawn some of his personal influences from this. So I think it'd be cool to hear him do a commentary of this film sometime and see kind of more how he was influenced by it. Um, yeah, and and any other notes on on Nicolas Cage and his performance is high. Um, pretty much just, yeah, Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. He's one of those very distinctive actors. He either works or he doesn't. I think in this case, he works. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think he had a, he had a, a bunch of movies around this time that I think this is, a, this is Pete Cage era. Is that, is, is that I, I think so. <laughs> Maybe he'll get here again one uh. day. This was the first thing I saw him in and then um, considered him pretty, like, like Ashley says, he, yeah, it works here. Whatever it is that Nicolas Cage does works in this role. And I think uh, that certainly doesn't happen all the time. And I've, I found him kind of hard to take in a lot of other roles. Um, You know, leaving Las Vegas stands out as an actual dramatic performance by him. That's, that's, very successful but certainly his kind of over the top uh conspiracy theory or you know the i think of the national treasure movies which are just kind of ridiculous on a lot of levels or playing or playing you know crazy con men um he's he's who you go to for over the top but i think where you know the fact that his over the topness really fits this movie and the movie you know that forms around him is just as over the top as he is. I think, uh, I think uh, he's, he's almost in, developed a, a sort of cult following. Uh, certainly our friends over at the American sci-fi classics track uh, really uh, have, have, have become a sort of disciples of cage, if you will. <laughs> a little bit. It's funny. Cause you know, this, he had already become a, a regular, you know, not like a regular actor to me, but an actor I've seen in, plenty of things by the time I had seen Raising Arizona because the first time I had seen him was in Valley Girl. Right. And then I had seen him and then also Moonstruck also. And so, you know, he had been in a couple different films that I had seen. And then I think, I think Con Air was after this one Mm -hmm. that he did. Yeah. The only thing I might've seen, prior to this or around the same time as Peggy Sue got married. I, I can't remember. Yeah, that's exactly. the one that, that stands out for me too. Peggy right? Sue is way before this one. Also. Yeah. But I think I didn't, I didn't, I know I didn't see um, Valley girl till later. And um, the other one you mentioned, I've actually never seen Con Air. So. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. and then okay. I think wild at heart was later. Right. I think that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I saw that much wild, later. Um, wild at heart. Uh, mm, it was about almost about the same time because it was pre Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks started to was two years after this. Mm. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's definitely one of those movies, uh, one of those actors that you have to sort of uh, like put in a in a role specifically meant for him, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like yeah. Um, um, and and to their credit, I mean, he's perfect here. Uh, I think this is one of his best performances. One of my favorites of his anyway. Uh, he, he pulls off, uh, he pulls off what he needs to, as Ashley pointed out. I mean, uh, high is, is the loser of epic proportions, but 
he's harmless in a lot of ways. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't carry a gun, at least not a loaded gun. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't mean to harm anybody. Um, and, and he's perfectly capable of sweeping, uh, Ed off her feet. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, and it, and it's believable, you know? Oh, exactly. Each time he goes in, he finds out a little bit more about her, you know, flirts with her. And then he goes into jail for 18 <laughs> months, comes back and, you know, oh, she's broken up with her fiance and, you know, that whole thing. And then it just, it just keeps on going. And it's almost like he's getting arrested again, just to see her. <laughs> Certainly a, it's a benefit to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about Ed. Let's talk about Edwin, Edwina, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Holly Hunter, uh, Ashley, uh, what, what did you think about Holly Hunter? I thought that Ed was a really interesting character. I mean, the fact that she falls in love with this guy that keeps going to prison over and over. So kind of what does she see? <laughs> There's that little spark of, you know, nice and kindness in his soul. So maybe she thinks like we can get together and reform him and, the interesting thing about this comedy is that there is some a little bit more of deeper. There's some slightly serious themes, like the fact that they can't have children and the grief that that brings to her. That is a bit of this movie where the comedy dials back and, you know, that is a real tragedy for them and something that many people have dealt with. So it's it's definitely tough to see that dream that she has unable to happen and of course, they take it the wrong way by deciding to uh, kidnap a baby. But of course, then that brings in the discussion of people sometimes who have money, have more opportunities available to them. So I just think it's interesting with her character. There's little nuggets of deeper stuff you can dig into, even though this is a really quirky comedy. That's a good way to put it, actually. And, you know, it is to- it's total quirky from the very first scene to the final it's it's just awesome but then again the final his final dream almost had me a little choked up in some parts about yeah family and everything. yeah like there like there are a few like nice touching more emotional moments despite the over-the-top comedy mm-hmm. in this exactly movie. and that's that was what was what makes it so wonderful is that it hits you out of nowhere and you're going, you know, literally you're, you're laughing your ass off about everything and then going, oh, my God. And then the other, next scene you're going, really? You really think so? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, that, and that's what's great about it. And the film works in so many ways. And the actors who they got for this, I couldn't really see other people in these roles. Yeah. Um, uh, and just one, you know, some final thoughts about Holly Under. I think she's uh, an incredible actress that I don't know that, you know, over the course of things, uh, maybe her career that she's done, uh, you know, as much as uh, or, you know, accomplished as much as I'd hope she would, um, because I think she's really capable. And I don't know, some of her projects, certainly in the last decade or so, probably haven't really done much for me. Um you know, she's unfortunately she's in what Superman v Batman, uh, Batman v Superman. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, she's also. I, I was just looking up what she what I'd seen her in recently, and she was in The Big Sick. In a yes, she, she was. Had a, she had a nice role in that. I didn't see that. So mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, like, look, I mean, she is uh, the the voice of uh, Mrs. Incredible, right? Mm-hmm. So. 
Yep. That that's pretty awesome. Elastigirl. Uh, exactly. So uh yeah, I mean I think and and here she's just yeah, she's exactly what she needs to be. Um and, and more, actually. Because as Ashley pointed out, the moments where um uh that uh you know that are silly, she's right there. She sort of plays, you know, if you will, the straight man to <laughs> Uh, Nicholas Cage's uh, wacky uh, guy uh, character, and and yet, you know, the moments of that require emotion. The fact that she, once she finds out that you know she's quote unquote barren, uh, is is pretty devastating. And then when she makes the decision, because she makes the decision like that, she wants a baby. Like yeah. she's gonna get herself a baby, and High's no gonna get her that baby. Right. Exactly. I- yeah, High's ready to give up after his first attempt. <laughs> they, were, they, were kind of, they were all over me. It was kind of horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the fact that she's the fact that she's so determined and, and wants a baby so badly that a former officer of the law will, you know, participate in a kidnapping. She sells oh, it exactly. And that was such a great scene when he was up there with all the babies. Yeah, that that also felt like it was out of a cartoon. Yeah, that is everything. that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and then later on, I mean, it's it's she's the one that realizes. I mean, both of them come to some pretty interesting character moments in this movie, where you know he decides that it'd be best if he just leaves her because he's nothing but trouble for her. Mm-hmm. And then and at one point, and then towards the end, she realizes that what they did, you know, grabbing the baby was was wrong, and they need to bring it back, and uh, they need to bring back Nathan Junior um and 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 so you know they continue that way but i think they both have really good character moments in this and and they sell it well um but uh mike as you pointed out the um the cat the rest of the cast is great and i want to start of course with john goodman who uh i don't know i must have seen him in stuff before this but man he is so good in this uh playing somebody who's who's a little bit more despicable than high and yet, like, still got a sense of code of honor to him that is kind of sweet. You don't hate him. Uh, Ashley, what was your thoughts of John Goodman? I think he was actually my favorite character in this movie. I just love John Goodman. Pretty much any movie he's in, it's great. <laughs> and I exactly like you said, like, he's a worse criminal than High, but there's just, like, this charming and kind of folksiness to him. So I love the comedy with him and his friend breaking out of prison and then, you know, actually coming to care for this baby and thinking they had left the baby behind and just having this horrible panic. And then basically twice so- they left it on the <laughs> yes, twice. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then at the end, just getting so fed up that they're ready to go back to prison, like no more of this. So I just thought their whole side plot was really entertaining and fun. And he, he was my favorite character. He has so many fun moments in this. Uh, Felicity, what are some of your favorite uh, moments here for John Goodman? Yeah, I just, I, I love how, how quickly he and, and Evel fall in love with Nathan Jr. And, uh, <laughs> you know, their first thought is, yeah, well, we'll, you know, take him for ransom, but, uh, soon they're they're completely devoted to his care and um yeah he's just he's kind of like the older brother to to evel who's obviously not not the smartest <laughs> not the brightest bulb in the lamp um <laughs> no oh i like when the ba- when the baby 
had the accident in the in the car and they yeah. said and john goodman was like well it happens to everybody yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. um yeah i like that i like his relationship with with evel and like ashley said he's you know he's he's ostensibly a semi-dangerous criminal but he's actually i think kind of the the nastier characters we see are the people that high has to work with uh in his you know civilian in his you know out of prison life you know the the you know racists that he deals with at work and and uh gail telling or not sorry not gail uh, glenn trying to trying and failing to tell a polish joke and (laughs) which he gets his comeuppance in the end so i think that you know in terms of you know, understandable and and even somewhat lovable characters. I really like John Goodman's performance in this. Absolutely. Uh, my one of my favorite sequences is uh, you know when they do break out, and then you have what three minutes of John Goodman just bellowing <laughs> at the top of his lungs. I just was like. <laughs> I mean, I was watching it late at night and I was like, oh, I better turn this down because all of a sudden it just got really loud. Because yeah. I mean, for like three minutes, he's just bellowing. And it's it's such a it's such a cool choice. Like, oh, I just going to just bellow because you're free. And, you know, you're it, it's just it's like he's being birthed almost, you know? Yeah, it really yeah, like the way it looked like that. Out, out of the ground is like is like a birth and we find out later that they uh, hit a sewer line on the way out. So they show exactly. up, they show up, you know, they, they clean up in the, in the, uh, the gas station I, restroom, I but not, not, not enough to uh, completely eliminate the smell by the time they get to high in Ed's. When I saw yeah. that scene this time, I kept on thinking Shawshank Redemption for some reason. I don't know. Why. <laughs> it is interesting. Like, yes, we do find out later that they hit his real line because you know what does he say? He says, uh, "I assure you, ma'am, we don't always smell like this." Uh, uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, then to go back and think about it, okay, so they broke out and they went to a gas station restroom, and he was more concerned about his hair, yes, <laughs> uh, than he was uh, how he smelled. So, um, but and I just love his like sort of uh, you know demeanor where he thinks he's the smartest one in the room. I think I know what's going on here. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's a, uh, just really, really fun. Uh, Mike, did you seen, you'd seen Goodman before maybe? I'm trying to think. I'm sure I've seen him in something. I just don't rem- I know it, it. Was he in Miller's Crossing? I don't think so. No. Uh, but that would be after this because that was their right. third movie, I think. Yeah, it was right. Miller's Crossing and then Barton Fink. Barton Fink. After that. Oh, so he is in Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Um, I know. Cause oh, the, so, uh, yeah. No, I was just looking at the order of the Oh, movie. the Coens. I got yeah, you. It's yeah, because it's Blood Simple, then this, then. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I know he wasn't in Blood Simple. So. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of plays a, a similar character to this in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, right? Mm hmm. Like taken to more of an extreme, maybe to more to more of an extreme because he plays the Cyclops in No right. Brother Where Art Thou, and you know the good Southern man who ends up being the uh, you know robbing the three heroes of it, and then becoming being the leader one of the leaders of the KKK rally. So, um, oh yeah, he does a lot of that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I've yeah. only seen that one once. Oh, it's one of my favorites by them. 
it it'll be very interesting it's interesting i i know i've he's done he had done some beer commercials and stuff like that before this but i because i know this is is this pre-roseanne even i think yeah just a year i think so yeah i think so so yeah because i know roseanne was his big big you know where everyone got Mm -hmm. to know who he was but yeah he was awesome in this one though yeah i mean this was yeah he just skyrocketed from here uh, as mm-hmm. far as his career. Um, and yeah, I love his versatility. The fact that he can play this and uh, he's, yeah, the, the Coens have used him many times for different variety of characters. I mean, this character, I mean, even though it's got John Goodman, you could tell, but it's very, you know, not really similar, but yet, uh, you know, his character in the Big Lebowski is just uh, amazingly unforgettable as well. Uh, it's like, he almost steals the show wherever he goes. Right. Yeah. Actually, um, I had seen him in something before this. I had to look it up. He was in the David Byrne movie, True Stories. Ah, yeah. He was like the main character there, right? Yeah, he was was one of the main people in that Texas town. I didn't see the movie, but I remember him in the video. Yep. (laughs) I remember him in the music video. (laughs) Because I think he was the one who's like, you know, played the lead singer in the music video, right? Uh, He's one of them. Yes. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. And... So, yeah, he basically was, it went from this, um, there was another movie called Sweet Dreams that he was in, and then the Coen brothers with Raising Arizona. There's a timeless quality to this movie, I think, uh, when I was watching it. And I was surprised that um, when I rewatched it, because it's like around the 80s, in early 90s, I think I watched this over and over again, over again. It was right, you know, it was a popular one to see in college. So a lot of us had that tape or whatever, and we just played it over and over and over again because uh, it's so quotable and it's so fun. It's so fun to watch with people. Um, but I must admit, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was wondering if it had aged a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, even though this takes place uh, and uh, – and, you know, it, it actually says, uh, you know, during the Reagan era, uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't e- like you said, I, I yeah. tried to stand up and fly straight, but it wasn't easy with that. Some bitch Reagan in the White House. I don't know. <laughs> they say he's a decent man. So maybe his advisors are confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I just uh, that line certainly got an early laugh from me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of feel like it could take place now in some ways. Right yeah it you'd have to make some minor tweaks but yeah it wouldn't be that difficult to do yeah and that area you know the area of the country where they are isn't you know there's All nothing that, that would really date the setting yeah i mean they don't have cell phones and that's about it probably. that is true so uh you know uh but so high's not high doesn't seem like the sort of person who'd have a cell phone anyway <laughs> no right it's probably true unless he stole it <laughs> Uh, Ashley, anything else of note uh, that uh, positive uh, that about raising Arizona that you noticed? Yes. Well, they may have been too young to have speaking parts, but I got a real kick out of all the babies and seeing their hijinks and what they got into. I have some young nieces and nephews, so little kids are going to do what they're going to do, and you have to keep an eye on them at every minute or they will causing some trouble so i really enjoyed seeing their little hijinks and what what they added to the story yeah uh 
they, um, according to IMDb, there were 15 babies that played the Arizona quintuplets in the film. Uh, One of the babies was fired during production when he learned to walk. Uh, the mother went so far as to put her baby's shoes on backwards in order to prevent oh. him from, walk, for prevent him from oh. walking. Oh. I guess she, that's one of those, uh, what do they call it? The, the, the Hollywood moms, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to ruin the, your chance. He never worked again. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but he yeah, hasn't been able to walk babies. since then either. Uh, I did think that they were, you know, going, looking back on it now, you know, with, you know, with, I guess whatever my experience now is like, I, I just noticed. I'm like, man, those babies seem a little bit old to be just like, <laughs> like right out of the the, the womb there. But uh, I did, uh, I did. Of course, that scene where he's trying to round them up is just hilarious. Oh, it's it's just it's classic, especially like when he's trying to climb under the you know playpen or the crib, <laughs> and the other baby jumps on his uses his butt yeah. as a trampoline, <laughs> which you see from the babies. Point of I view as he plunges over the side. Well, yeah. almost that whole scene is almost from the baby's point of view because it's all yeah. looking. At the, once again, the cinematography—it's just—it's all pointing up and everything. It's just—it's just awesome. Right, you see, you see the camera jiggle as he's bouncing. He's mm-hmm. bouncing mm-hmm. one of the babies on his shoulder, trying to calm down. Uh, I, I'm exactly. sure it's happened, and somebody out there must, if they know this, and then maybe I'll do some more research too. But uh, because the unfortunately the DVD I had of it does, has no bonus features whatsoever, so uh, so was there there was no making of featurettes or anything like that, which I was disappointed by. But um, I mean the movie's enough; I'll rewatch it hundreds of times if I need. <laughs> if you know, I could put it on a loop. Um, but uh, uh, I, I would love to see a featurette that somebody like, okay, so follow these babies. Like how, like, what are they doing now? <laughs> that would be, that where would be cool. are they now? <laughs> if any of the, if, if, if any of the raising Arizona, uh, uh, Arizona, literally Arizona babies uh, are still alive and listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, uh, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Well, they'd probably only be like 35 years old. I know. Us. Only, only. Yeah. Now that makes me feel really old. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey. <laughs> now, well, speaking of, of that, that's a couple of years for Ashley still, so it's okay. Speaking of someone hey. who's no longer with us, uh, Trey Wilson, who played Nathan Arizona, unfortunately died a few years later. Um, it says he died in '89. Uh, he was only 40 years old, but oh wow, he was, oh, wow. He was, oh, wow. He was a, he was a well-known character actor in his time. And I certainly yeah, recognized yeah. him from other things. And he's really good in this too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they play him for laughs for the most part of it. Um, and you think he's just this like, you know, uh, uh, hard salesman type figure, you know, but, um, but then at the end, he has that moment with the couple that is really kind of touching. Yeah. It really, it really humanizes him and, you know, kind of gives, gives a second chance really to, to high and Ed, you know, by not turning them in and by telling them to reconsider splitting up. Yeah. Well, and I loved, you know, he played right into character in that scene. You know, I guess you want the twenty five thousand dollars, unless I can give you a really good line on credit for my <laughs> exactly for some furniture. You want to take that on unpainted furniture? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And it, it was just like, oh, geez. Yeah. But yeah, he actually turned out to be a good guy and everything. And it's a, and and you could leave by the ladder. I yeah, love that. Leave yeah. the way you came. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see that actually he was he had been cast in Miller's Crossing um, at the time of his death, but he was replaced by Albert Finney. 
Oh, wow. Wow. So the, you know, the Coen brothers certainly wanted to work with him again. There was oh, yeah. a trailer for Miller's Crossing on my DVD. So I watched that too, or my Blu-ray. And so I watched that too. And I was like, oh, I don't know that I've seen that in a while. So, and I must admit, there's a lot of Coen Brothers movies over the last uh, maybe decade or so that I haven't seen, including uh, their most recent one. I think that was the Netflix movie, right? Buster uh, Scruggs was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I stopped, you know, I, this movie definitely made me want to see all their films. And I, so I went, I went back and saw Blood Simple at some point so um, good it's so, so different yeah, too it's, it's so great yeah and it's it really dark. kind of makes a nice companion piece to fargo because it's it's really kind of a you know it's a it's kind of a noir mm-hmm. oh very much a, well, um what... i wasn't crazy about miller's crossing for some reason but i love barton fink i think if raising arizona is my favorite film of theirs but i think barton fink is probably second and i don't know why it struck me the way it did because it's a very different film and and you see a very very sinister john goodman um oh, god yes and then of course i love uh, the hudsucker proxy is a uh, all their movies uh, are bizarre <laughs> bizarre like, but like fun. quirky which is awesome yeah, like exactly for some reason i think the, the last one i saw you know in consecutive release was the man who wasn't there and then um oh yeah that was and then i saw true grit the... but i've i've missed I've missed so many of them. I'm looking at yeah. the list. But I didn't. Did. See, I haven't seen Hail Caesar. I think that's Hail one Caesar is the only one I haven't seen on the list here. Yeah, I've still got a few to see. Um, uh, you know, Javier is horrifying in No Country for Old Men, oh. which is just an awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, and, and you know, Burn it, After Reading was it was okay. Serious Man was good. Oh, maybe I, did who, see a seri- I think I did see a serious man. Um, you know, then, you know, of course, Lebowski, Fargo, yeah. Oh Brother, and, you know, stuff like that. And just, it's just awesome stuff. Yeah, inside, they... inside Lewin Davis, I had so much hope for. But that one, the music was awesome and the characters were just okay. But, yeah, so just depends. My understanding is is that uh, they uh, co-direct these movies, but due to the you know uh, I guess union DGAs, they can't they can only put one of their names on it or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Is that my understanding? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a you know, and they, I mean, I know they're brothers, but it's amazing that they've managed to like sort of stick together and keep making these movies uh, year after year after year. Um, they have quite the um, thirty-five uh, years yeah prolific uh resume right now and that's and i think they're one of the most uh, you know it's hard pressed not to consider them uh you know one of the preeminent filmmakers of our generation really mm-hmm. nope, so you I need think... to see more movies by them ashley that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yes i do i saw hail caesar pop up on netflix the other day so gotcha. I've, I've got that i don't one know on if that's a now. well i don't know it depends like they're, yeah they're also different um mm-hmm. so certainly if you see if if you see one don't yeah, say really don't like think and, and i know you're not like this anyway but for those people who are like well i've seen one coen brothers movie and i didn't like it so i'm not really gonna watch the rest of them they're so different like mm-hmm. um you know like like we said blood simple which is a really uh dark noirish uh, crime thriller uh, is is heads and tails different than Raising Arizona. Oh yeah, you would never expect something like Raising Arizona out of. No, I think Fargo of, kind of combines yeah. these two uh, in um in, at least in tone. 
Uh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good observation because Fargo does have, you know, the, the bizarre characters and the, and the, the goofy accents and just the, uh, you know, funny turns of phrase. Mm-hmm. So, neat characters. So, uh, so overall, um, as we sort of wind up, um, uh, where do you stand on raising Arizona by itself and, and sort of it's, it's sort of, I don't know, place in, in, in your, uh, library as well as, uh, in, in maybe even, you know, in, in film history, uh, Ashley. I think it's a great comedy. I enjoyed it very much watching it for the first time in 2020 and not really knowing that much about it other than that it was a Coen brothers movie. So like others have said, did you feel it was dated? Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but did you feel it was dated since you'd seen it like just recently? Not really. There's a few things like hairstyles and clothing that you can kind of place the areas in, (laughs) but I think it would be very easy if you reshot this today, same script and everything, uh, I think it would play just as well. And that really works with comedies because I feel like a lot of times they can lose their humor if it feels too dated. But I think this one is unique enough and clever enough that it will continue to be funny for several years down the road. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Felicity, what about you? Yeah, I think this is, one of my all-time favorite comedies and you know it made me a coen brothers fan like i said it made me you know determined to see what what they did next um it's just something yeah it's something that i could still watch at any any time i felt like it something i can probably quote most of at this point and it's just it's it's stayed in my head as a a really entertaining film and and a really unique experience. Mike? Um, as far as, you know, films of the Coen brothers, I think it ranks up there towards the top. It's very raw. It's very fresh and it's quirky. It's unique. And as far as, you know, if I see it on TV, you know, passing by, it'll be like, Oh, I love this part. And I'll watch till the end, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. It ca- it's like one of those, it's like a fly catcher. It like just catches me and it's like, okay, I'm stuck. So, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen it, folks, please check it out. It's, you know, you'll be able to laugh and you'll be able to just have a good time with it. It's, it's a no brainer basically. Yeah. It's it, well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not one that it's not a comedy that you would put on to turn your brain off. I would not uh, describe it that way. And I know you weren't going there, Mike, but um, because I think it's 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 clever. Uh, you can watch it uh, multiple viewings. It's good. It's really good for a rewatch, especially since, you know, the first time you're watching it, you're laughing so hard that you're probably going to miss like two or three lines that you have to rewatch uh, and they're going to be good as well. Uh, great performances. Like I said, I really love the innovative uh, direction and editing that was done with this uh, movie. Um, as we saw, talk about, it's 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 influenced, you know, Edgar Wright and the way you know he works as well. I, I wish more filmmakers would do this sort of thing too. I kind of miss uh, this sort of innovative filmmaking. Uh, you don't see it that often, I don't think, uh, as often as uh, I'd like anyway. But um, but yeah, it's right up there. It's one of my favorite. Certainly it's one of my favorite comedies and it's one of my favorite movies. So, uh, so even though it's not an anniversary or anything, I'm glad that we had an excuse to, to sit down, especially these days, you know, and, 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 and just have a good fun, a good hearted comedy uh, experience. So, 
So cool. Well, thank you guys. Um, we will be right back to close out the show after this message. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about some of the video game announcements that I'm really excited for to either play or watch other people play because I don't own the system. So this week, we saw a lot of new video game trailers and the reveal of the PS5 from the virtual E3 convention. A lot of these games look really awesome, and I'm going to talk about a few of them. We'll start with a game that I might actually be able to play since I have the system for it. Star Wars Squadrons for PS4, PC, and Xbox One. This game looks like it'll be a lot of fun. To me at least. I know a lot of people are wary because it's EA games, but I still think it looks like it'll be fun. But a Star Wars flight simulation game that can have a 5v5 dogfight style play sounds awesome. I do hope there is some one player action in there as well since I do really enjoy PvP but I also enjoy playing on my own. Having grown up with the old PC TIE Fighter and X-Wing games, I'm really excited to see how this one goes. Next up are a whole bunch of games that look amazing, but I will most likely not get to play them because a PS5 will be around six or $700, supposedly. Stray, this game looks so adorable. It follows a cute stray cat with a backpack on and you get to go on their adventures. The graphics look amazing, and this is a game that I never really knew I needed in my life until I saw a game with a cat as a hero. So please, please, I cannot wait to see this game and possibly play it, but for the most part, watch other people play it. Resident Evil 8. So no zombies in this one, but according to the trailer, it looks like we're getting werewolves and possibly witches, along with other spooky village type stuff. And it seems kind of similar in the look to me like Resident Evil 4, where we saw the character going to a creepy village. So I'm really looking forward to see the storyline for this game, because Resident Evil is really great at creating creepy worlds while still bringing in old characters and intertwining those stories. Next up, we have Spider-Man Miles Morales. This game looks so good. It is a standalone game, so it's not download content from the last Spider-Man game that came out for the PS4, and it looks like it's going to be really, really good. The graphics look amazing, the storyline looks really interesting, and if the last Spider-Man game is giving us any idea on the gameplay, I'm sure it is going to be fantastic too. I'm really looking forward to seeing more Miles storylines in the Spider-Verse, and I'm glad that they are really focusing on him in the cartoons, more in more so the comics, and in the video games. So this makes me really happy to see more of. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network.
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here. Our remote correspondent, Ashley Pauls, thank you as always. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for your patience with my technology issues this evening. I really enjoyed talking with all of you despite some of the tech things going on. It reminds me of our old days when we used to talk to you all the time, and it sounded like you were on the end of a tin can. That's that right. Awesome. See, it's just it's a throwback episode. We're watching a movie from the past, and I'm bringing back the old tech from the past. I it's pretty darn awesome that you're able to do that. And, you know, it's always great talking to you. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, yeah, just um, I'm continuing, even though we don't really have any new movies at theaters, I'm still continuing to blog about entertainment related stuff at the ESO podcast website. Um, I haven't fully decided what I'm going to blog about this week, but um, I'm sure I'll come up with the topic. I watched Tiger King for the first time over the weekend. I haven't decided if I want to write about that or not, <laughs> but um, I'm sure I'll find something. <laughs> wow. You are a brave person, my friend. It was, it was something else. So yeah, that's about all I had to say about that. <laughs> well, it, it definitely was something else. And if you love conspiracy theories, you like seeing white trash, it's perfect for you, you know. I it's would say 2020 is the year for that to come out. I don't know if I could have handled it in 2019, but by this point, I'm just <laughs> rolling with the punches. You know, it's really sad. I saw a meme the other day saying that it's really sad when, you know, Tiger King makes the rest of 2020 look pretty normal. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> ah, okay, but thank you, my dear. And of course, Felicity, always an honor to have you on the show. Thanks. I uh, I love talking about movies with you guys, and this is certainly a favorite, sentimental favorite of mine. It is awesome. And anything you want to shout out about? Um, things are chugging along here in Chicken Town. Uh, Kevin and Cornflake recording the Flopcast. I'm still uh, doing some Patreon episodes for the ESO Patreon with Kevin. Uh, we're just kind of watching an old movies actually we did we have recently done a couple of 80s movies uh little darlings a little while ago and then more recently enemy mine which is yep. a, a film that i remember i well i thought i remembered really well but there was a lot that surprised me about it <laughs> actually it just went live on the patreon on last night cool so, so yep it is up there folks definitely check it out and all you have to do as we say at the beginning of the show all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network for as little as a dollar, folks. You can help support the ESO network and you can hear quality material like Kevin and Felicity talking all about enemy mine. Pretty cool. And thank you so, so much. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about, sir? Yes, I need to say uh, a little belated, but in another uh, sincere happy 80th birthday to a character which is near and dear to my heart, the invisible Scarlett O'Neill. She turned 80 years old. She's one of the uh, first leading ladies in comics, uh, Russell Stam's first strip, uh, first comic strip for featuring uh, invisible Scarlett O'Neill, debuted in the Chicago Times on June 3rd, 1940. So uh, uh, it's an amazing landmark, I think. And uh, we are trying to do uh, our best to 
um, sort of honor the legacy by finally uh, putting together um, a, a compilation of her of the strips that uh, Russell Stam did uh, for it was a little bit over a decade. Uh, she was in the newspapers. So um, it's been one of those projects that we've talked on and off about, but I think it's finally starting to happen so that, uh, you know, watch this space and you'll hear more information or you can go to uh, Invisible Scarlet Neal now her, has her own uh, Facebook page, her, no, her own Instagram account. So she's getting with the times. She may be 80 years old, but she's, she's uh, getting, uh, getting together with uh, what, uh, what the modern kids are doing. Uh, she doesn't have a TikTok yet, though, so, uh, um, you know, don't look for her there. Uh, although maybe she's there. She's just invisible. Um, ah, she's been around the whole time. But we are we are doing what we can to make her more visible uh, to people. So uh, uh, it's pretty exciting. That is awesome, man. Um, it's pretty impressive that, you know, you got that, you know, that you've been working on with the project and, you know, I think that's how, when I first met you, you were really heavily into it, but you know, happy 80th Scarlett O'Neill. It's pretty awesome. So it's pretty cool. All right. Um, for me, I'm going to do um, something that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. This last week, we got the preview for Bill and Ted. That's right. It was so awesome to see. That's right. As of right now, knock on wood, it's still planned to come out in the end of August. And so Bill and Ted, it just it just looks awesome. The preview, um, you know, Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves, they look, you know, they look like, you know, older versions of, you know, what, you know, what you pictured them looking like and it, it works perfectly. You know, the only thing I was disappointed about, you know, that's not going to feel the same is no George Carlin. And I'm so glad they did not recast Rufus at all. So, you know, it should be very interesting to see what, you know, how the movie is, you know, I'm going to be there smiling ear to ear watching it, you know, at the theaters, maybe I'm not sure. And I'm, you know, is that, that going to be enough to bring you back to the theater, Mike? It's Bill and Ted, dude. You know, <laughs> they just we. Were, I was planning on my next the movie to be Wonder Woman to get me back to the theater, but that got pushed off till the beginning of October now. And sure. so, um, you know, the the Nolan film coming is still scheduled for the end of July, and. You know, we'll have to wait and see if that goes through. You know, it's just it's just interesting times we live in. So, you know, does Bill and Ted make it to the number one movie of the summer? Maybe. So it's, I think it's just for nostalgia value. It should be a lot of interesting stuff to see. So we definitely, you know, get you can see it up on YouTube. You can see it on different, you know, places. Go see Bill and Ted. It's much worth it and it's a lot of fun you get to see some familiar faces pop up and you know i'm just going to be very curious to see where they go with it so definitely check it out and you know speaking of checking it out we are going to be back again next week and we are going to be doing an in memoriam show this last week we just lost Denny O'Neill, who is one of the mo most prolific writers in comics, you know, the Batman that you see in movies, in TV, on TV, 
over the last, what, 45 years or so has been all because of Denny O'Neill. And even Arrow is because of Denny O'Neill. And it's, it's just awesome. And he passed away, I think he was 80, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and 80, 81, somewhere in there. Yeah, something like that. So he passed away, and we're going to be talking all about him next week. So it should be, you know, a, not fun, but it's going to be nice reliving the comic book memories that he brought to us. So it should be an interesting time. And until then, my name is Mike Faber, and we will see you here next time on the Air Station One Podcast. Peace. You've been listening to the Air Station One Podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.